While many people might head down to a farmer's market looking for fresh vegetables and local meats, it's hard to leave without grabbing a bouquet of locally grown cut flowers. On our podcast today, we'll be conversing with two specialty producers who have developed cut flower businesses, and they're going to share how they got started and provide considerations and ideas if it's something you're looking into doing. I'm your host, Laura Kaler. South Dakota Specialty Producers Association is made up of growers, consumers, and others interested in producing, marketing, and supporting South Dakota specialty crops, meats, and locally made products. This podcast is made possible through a specialty crop block grant SDSPA received through the SD Department of Agriculture and Natural Resources. This season, our podcast theme is Grown Here, how South Dakota producers are growing their specialty crops. Today, I'm joined by Connie Johnson of Freedom Acres and Brand and Christy Heckathorn of Flourish Flower Farms in Elk Point. Thank you both for being here today. If we could start off um, with introducing yourself and a little bit about your farm. Sure, I can go first. I'm Christy Heckathorn with Flourish Flower Farm. Um, our address is Elk Point, but technically we are next to a little town called Richland, and we're very close to the Iowa border. So we sit in the southeastern part of the state. Um, and thankfully for us, we're located six and a half miles east off of the I-29 Vermilion exit. So we're, we're kind of in a good spot for people who are, you know, traveling through the area or wanting to come visit us. So um, I have a half acre flower farm and I'm just going into my third growing season of uh, having the flower farm. And we, when I first started, um, I primarily did bouquets that people would order and weddings. And then kind of towards the end of the season, we noticed that there were a lot of people interested in coming to pick their own flowers and just kind of experiencing the farm in that way. And so our second season, we actually uh, opened the farm up for you pick events. So starting in the middle of July, running all the way to October, we did you, you pick events twice a week and um, that went over really well and we had a really good response to that. So um, I'm also a wedding florist. So I do weddings and I'm able to use flowers from the flower farm to do those. And um, I have a few things I have to piece in from like a wholesaler, but for the most part, I'm able to use a lot of the flowers for that. So that is kind of a neat perk of having your own flower farm. And um, we, I do do some bouquets for people who are wanting bouquets, but primarily try and keep everything located or happening right at the farm so that we're not stretched too thin trying to go to farmer's markets or do other things like that. So we've found that people really enjoy coming to the farm and experiencing it and being able to walk around, walk through the flowers and just kind of do their own thing while they're there. So that is kind of our focus of the farm. Great, that's a really unique way of doing it. I will say to any of the listeners out there that if you are on a social media presence that you should definitely follow Christy on her Instagram page because I do and it's absolutely beautiful and it's absolutely wonderful. And I love watching the different videos and the different things that she has during those you pick events. Thank absolutely. you. I second that. I follow both of you on Instagram and it's really fun to see the photos of different things that you have going on throughout the year and hopefully I can travel a little bit more to the east side of the state this summer and see them live yes Uh, Connie what's your setup like 
Yeah. So, um, Connie Johnson with Freedom Acres, South Dakota. Um, my setup is, so I currently reside on about 15 acres of land and I dedicate about four acres to my upcoming flower business. And I say upcoming just because it's just, it's constantly changing and I'm constantly, you know, changing the way things are because I'm learning kind of as I go. Um, I do have a high tunnel. I was um, fortunate enough to get one of those on my property through a grant with the NRCS. I have what I call four fields within my four acres. And so I do a lot of root planting and bulb planting. I have tons of peonies. I like to put tulips in the ground. I actually put 10,000 in the ground this last fall, which I'm very, very excited about. Um, I have, um, dal or not dahlias, I'm sorry, daffodils. I do those too, which I super love because they're super early and there's daffodil days, <laughs> not too far away from me every year, which is always exciting to plant and grow and bring those out for them. Um, I really want to get into more woodlands, such as hydrangeas, um, some type of those more woody plants is something that I'm looking to get more into to kind of really create this um, multi-dimensional farm experience when uh, you come in, in, into my property. I do have a lot of aspirations for what I'm trying to do, especially when it comes to the U-Pick. I really like that idea and I want to get into some more of that stuff myself. Um, and I also really like the idea of keeping um, the people to the farm. Like I, I don't participate in flowers or farmers markets. I actually have a cart, I guess what I would like to call it. It opens on both sides and it's, it's pretty big and hefty. And I want to have a stand basically is kind of what I'm really looking at doing this upcoming summer, being able to put the florals and just these floral different designs out on the stand and have people come and, you know, drop your 20 in the money bucket and then take your floral arrangement with you, or even come onto the farm and different things like that. I have, um, some, um, farm trees or fruit trees. And I do berries as well on my property to include a vegetable garden. But the majority of everything that I have in this four acre area is my upcoming flower farm. And so that's kind of what it looks like to include. I do have chickens, which I have to keep them at bay <laughs> away from getting into things a little too much, but I do use their stuff as compost and really try to make my farm into this self-sustaining, um, self-feeding environment. That's absolutely gorgeous. So it's great to hear how you're using relatively small acreages to create your business. Christy, you said that you were a florist and do wedding flowers. Um, did that come first or was the flower farm first? How did you get started? Yeah, um, I was a I've been a florist for over 20 years. I worked in a flower shop for about five years when my husband and I were first married. And I didn't, at the time, flower farming really wasn't popular around here or, you know, I, I really didn't know much about it. I would say even up to a couple of years ago, I didn't really think that I was going to have a flower farm. Um, but when COVID happened, I was able to take a class through Florette, which is a place out of Washington state um, that I would say is probably one of the premier flower farm places or that does a lot of um, education on growing flowers. And so I ended up getting signed up for their class kind of at the last minute and took the class. And from there, it just kind of snowballed. Um, I'm really grateful that I 
had been a florist before, or, you know, that I had that floral experience because I feel like a lot of people that go into flower farming, go into it and they want to learn how to grow things and they want to, you know, do all the parts of flower farming, but then they also have to learn the design part of it, which is a lot to learn kind of all at one time. Um, so I maybe did things kind of in backwards order, even though I don't, there wasn't really a intended order of how I was going to do things, but I'm really grateful that I have that design experience background because it helps me when I'm trying to plan what types of flowers to plant and what colors and just being kind of in tune with what is popular, what brides are looking for, or, you know, things that people might be interested in seeing and just being able to have kind of that base design experience of putting colors together. Um, I, when we started the flower farm, um, we planted or we started it on a farm that my husband had purchased to put a seed shed. He has a seed business and it has a lot of historic ties um, and history on the property. And so I tried to incorporate kind of the history of the property um, into the flower farm. So the actual area where my flowers are growing used to be a cattle yard um, many years ago. And so that provided a great base for growing flowers. And so I just, all the little pieces of parts of my past or just things that I were involved in kind of all came together um, to kind of really make the perfect pairing for me to do a flower farm. And it's, it's been awesome. It's, I mean, it's a lot of work <laughs> for anybody who thinks that they're going to start a flower farm and, you know, instantly be able to just, you know, take beautiful pictures and walk around flowers all day. And, you know, that's all it is. It's that, that's the fun side of it. And that's the side that people want to see, but there is definitely a lot of work that goes into it on the other side, which Connie can attest to, I'm sure too. <laughs> I want to say this, Christy. For one thing, I'm one of those people that I know nothing about floral arrangements and the possibility of designing for a wedding scares the living daylights out of me. So I appreciate that you were like, I know how to do this because you're right. It's everything that I have to learn and having those color schemes in your brain and having right. that experience, you were very correct. It's something that I have to learn. And it's very cool that you already have that. And I also Absolutely. like, you're like, well, I'm growing flowers on an old cattle yard. So you have like this great base, which is amazing. Under my flower fields is a house. Like some farmer buried an old house. So every time I till or every time I'm digging a hole, I pull cans out. I pull shards of concrete out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely different circumstances for sure. Thankfully that hasn't happened to me in the actual area we're growing the flowers, but it has happened to me on the other parts of the property, which we use for you pick events and stuff. And we're always finding things that I, I really wish I could know the story behind it, you know, like. What happened here? What were they doing? What were they? <laughs> yeah. Why was the dirt? <laughs> yeah. Farmers are notorious for burying things yeah. and we get to dig them up. Yep. So Connie, what was the story of how your farm got started? It's a little more unique. Yeah. You know, it, it was definitely, so when we bought our property in like 2014, this was definitely not anything that I would ever think that I would be doing right now. You know, when, when, when I purchased the place, I was, um, a, a social worker, a child protection agent, 
Um, so I really, from the social services, I really had and enjoyed that type of background. That's what I wanted to do. From that, I moved into being a parole agent, you know, rehabilitation from inmates, you know, coming back out to the community. I really, really loved serving people. And it was during that time that I kind of was struggling a little bit from, and this is about 2016. I really started struggling with some residual PTSD that I had from the wars. So anyone that doesn't really know me or my story, I was um, a military police officer in the, in the army during the Iraqi wars. During that time when I was serving in Iraq, um, I was injured by a shrapnel from an IED explosion that did nearly take my life. I took some shrapnel to my neck and it was a lot of process after that, a lot of not acknowledging those symptoms and things like that, especially early, early 2005, 2006, 2007, when soldiers were now coming back from their first wave of the wars, you know, PTSD was a very, very scary thing because we had soldiers that were coming back and they had it so bad that they were, you know, they were taking their own lives and they were, you know, killing their spouses and their children. And if you go back, I mean, things were happening. That was very scary. And so to identify as someone that had some of those symptoms and some of those, you know, diagnoses was something that I just didn't talk about, you know, and, you know, when you don't talk about things, they just fester and they fester and they fester. And so about 2016, I started doing some treatment with the Wounded Warrior Project and identified some of those um, symptoms that I was experiencing. And it was the first time that I really acknowledged that I was struggling with those symptoms. Um, Keep moving forward. um, While working as a parole agent, I also identified that I'm not going to be able to assist inmates that have some of these high intense situations, you know, drugs, alcohol, um, you know, poverty, you know, all these different things that were happening in their lives. And so I decided to go back to graduate school, Um, went to graduate school and I'm working, I started working at the Veterans Affairs Office at South Dakota State University. And these are all great things. Right. So how does this lead to flower farms? (laughs) Right. I started working at SDSU and unfortunately, my dad passed away. Pretty like almost right when I started within the first month, my dad being a farmer, he was a Korean war veteran and he was a cattle farmer his whole life. So I grew up, you know, around lots of different animals and he was a crop producer, like corn, soybeans, pretty traditional for the South Dakota area. And uh, I loved riding horses. And so I love being outside and I always kind of had that, you know, his death um, was pretty traumatic. I was there, I was present, I was there when it happened. And what I learned afterwards was that uh, trauma compounds on trauma. And so when I started working through myself, through that PTSD symptoms, when I experienced what I took as a very traumatic death for my father, witnessing that really intensified the symptoms that I was already starting just to deal with. And a lot of, for me specifically was intrusive memories, reincurring thoughts, intrusive thoughts, like revisioning, you know, watching some of the worst moments of your life have over and over and over and over again. And again, not addressing it for a very long period of time, because I think for me specifically, I just apparently like to fester in my, in, in the worst things possible that have ever happened to me. Um, and it got really bad. I was drinking really heavily. I, um, was super depressed. I started taking medication, different things like that. And I was, to be frank, I was dying slowly every day. Like my, in, my internal self was dying. And I happened to come across when I was, you know, scrolling through social media, um, this blog from Florette 
that talked about um, the beauty of flowers. And for something about like the image that just drew me to clicking on it. And when I read it for the first time, I thought to myself, I need to do something for my recovery. And I really, I really soared when it came to outdoor recreational therapy as a form of treatment. I'm not good at sitting in front of a counselor and and rehashing these horrible moments that I've experienced in my life. But if you get me outside and I'm doing something positive and working with somebody or talking to somebody I I really, I really make strides when it comes to my mental health and even my physical health. And so, you know, I was on 15 acres. There was nothing on it whatsoever. It was just grassland and old farm houses buried in the ground. And I just walked out there and I could see it. Like I could see the flower fields in my mind. And I just grabbed a couple shovels and some spray paint. And I started spray painting these outlines and I started spray painting um, what I want and where I want to do it. And, you know, I, I, it was a struggle because not everybody could see it, meaning uh, it was a lot of hours and it's a lot of time. And, you know, I, I, I never had a business before. I never marketed anything before. I, I know that I'm a hard worker and I know I wanted to create a service. And so it kind of all started with my continued healing. And so it started with a program that I called Adaptive Veteran. And that's where it all started. And this is a program that I designed for the county that I live in, Dual County, as to get started. And it's a Memorial Day program. So I started growing flowers and I reached out to some local individuals to see if they had family members in the area that are buried in some of our cemeteries. And a lot of them do. And a lot of people move away and they don't get a chance to come up. And so you can enroll in my program. And then I I put on my uniform back from when I was in the service and I get these flowers and I wrap them up and I go out on Memorial Day and I put these flowers on these grave sites of these of these fallen veterans. And I salute and I take photos for the family members and send them back to them. And it started as a way for me to heal myself. And every time I go out there, I mean, it's a very somber thing for me and it's very emotionally tolling because I've lost individuals that have served in the wars. And I think it does a lot for people too. And I think as I continue to grow on my farm, I'm able to grow in these different areas and these different programs that I'm hoping to, you know, continue to establish throughout my time there. And so basically flowers have saved my life and I, my whole mission and even on my website, if anyone has a chance to look at it, you know, it's www.freedomakers.com is like my thing is it's grow, sustain, recover, because you grow in your, in your health. And then, then it becomes about sustaining your mental health and then, you know, making that full recovery. And so that's everything that I'm trying to work for. Thank you so much for sharing your story. That's a fantastic, um, it's really more than just a business model, but it's reason for having a flower farm. It goes beyond just a business and I think for both of you, it seems like it's part of your identity and an important piece. And you both also mentioned florets as being one of the things that helped get you started. Can you expand? Is that an in-person thing? I think um, Christy said it's in Washington state. So it was an online class, I'm guessing, or did you travel? Yeah, it's an online class. Um, They only open up registration for it one week out of the year. 
And then I, that's in the fall. And then the class takes place in January. So Connie, are you in the class right now? I am in the class right now. I applied for that sucker three years in a row. So I will say it is in high demand. And, and that's the reason why it's because like Christy said, it's kind of the premier um, tool when it comes to understanding and learning, not just how to grow flowers, but to grow them in a way to cause, you know, what lean planting, um, successional planting and really help young farmers like myself, um, learn from mistakes of the peoples in front of us, you know, follow the trail that people have led before us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's an extremely comprehensive class and, um, you know, it's been a couple of years now since I took it, but I honestly think I could benefit the most now (laughs) going back and rewatching uh, some of the things now that I have a couple of years of flower farming under my belt. So there's probably more specific questions or just even, um, you know, going back and listening to people's stories about how they run their farm or how they market their flowers and that kind of thing. But yeah, I think education, I mean, I think we'll touch on this a little bit more later, but it's obviously important if you're thinking about flower farming. Um, and I will say that there are other places out there too that have really good ways to learn about how to flower farm. Um, Flora is one of those, but there, there are other places too. And, and uh, just the world of flower farming is becoming a more popular world right now. And so I feel like now more than ever, there are more and lots of resources out there for people if they are interested in doing that. So it's, it's not hard to find. You kind of have to commit yourself to taking the time to, you know, read about it, listen to it, kind of submerge yourself into that world. If you really want to be successful at it, um, you know, with anything else in life, it's like, it's not going to come easy, but if you're willing to put in the work and the time, it will, it will go a lot better for you. What are some of the resources that you both use for education or what are your go-tos if you've got a question that comes up? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I took the floor class and that was great. Um, I also spent a lot of time listening to the gardener's workshop, which is, uh, Lisa Mason Ziegler. She considers herself an urban farmer, um, just because she cannot have a greenhouse in she's in city limits, but she teaches people how to start seeds in kind of a small little like potting shed type environment. Uh, she doesn't have a greenhouse, like I mentioned, but I feel like she's very practical and hands-on and she's really just enjoyable to listen to. So when I was starting seeds for the first time, a couple, um, springs ago, I listened to her a lot and I felt like I learned from her, but there's books out there. There's, I mean, there's just so many resources. Um, but I would, you know, if you're thinking about starting a flower farm or whatever, you know, reach out to somebody chances are there's probably somebody in the area or in your state that is flower farming. Um, and, you know, ask them and say, what do you recommend? You know, what, what would be a good way to go about learning how to do this? Um, they might have something really specific that, that they benefited from and hopefully they would be willing to share that with you. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot, I'm a, I'm a resource person. I love books. I'm not much of an audio person when it comes to like listening to podcasts or anything like that, but I'm, 
I will say I have a talent of finding resources. So one of the first things that I did when I got started is because I didn't know anything about anything really at all. And so um, one of the first things that I tapped into was the NRCS or Natural Resource um, Conservation District, because they have a, um, a minority farmer program. And I was able to tap into that, especially for, and I, it was twofold. So if you are a woman farmer, you, you, you qualify for that, um, that program to be in it. And it's kind of twofold for me, because if you're a veteran, you're considered a minority as well. And you're able to en enroll in that program. And there's different resources in there. Um, that's actually the organization and how I was able to get my high tunnel. So it was through a program through the NRCS, and it was through the minority farming program and they paid for 80% of my high tunnel. So that was, that was phenomenal. Um, but during that process, because you know, I obviously applications take a while. I really reached out to the office of veteran business development. Now that's under the small business administration. They have their specific area and their specific coaches for veterans. And I, I really tapped into them. And that's where like, I really decided and designed my LLC on when it comes to like the business aspect of it you know, what the importance of an LLC, how, why should I have one, um, really understanding taxation, understanding, you know, I'm, if I'm going to take money, how do I do that? Uh, and they were a wonderful resource to kind of really develop that admin aspect for me. Um, again, you know, never, not everyone has this um, opportunity, but if you do, there's an organization called Warrior Rising, which is a pretty phenomenal organization as well, because they're all about entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship development for veterans. They actually call it vet, oh, I can't even say the word correctly, Vetter, veterpreneurs. Like they combine the two words, so it's a little silly and super hard to say, <laughs> but they design that specifically and have all these modules and it's all about developing your business, your business model and creating like these avenues, you know, like your setup, your insurance, your, your money, your whatever, whatever. And, and they really compounded on that for me, which was a really great opportunity. And then one of my favorite organizations that's really been helpful for me is the Farmer Veteran Coalition. And what I really liked about them is they really supported me and have been continuing to support me. They do have like um, grants and different things like that. I was able to allocate myself a rain harvesting system to go off my high tunnel. So hopefully it will help me um, understanding and getting under control, like some of the drought issues that I've been having this last year and really get into, you know, the drip water system. I've never used one before and getting that things laid out and using water, you know, the rain that falls from the sky onto my plants and different things like that. And then if you go through their, um, their, some of their stuff, then you can actually be a part of their network and their organization. And then you're tapped into veteran farmers all across the country. And that's been a really, really wonderful resource for me, especially on the education part when it comes to connectivity, advertising and marketing and that kind of stuff. So it, you got to go find them, but those resources are out there. So starting the business, you know, there's a lot of people out there to kind of help you do that. Mm -hmm. I think it's great that we live in a day and age where we can have access to so many things so quickly. I mean, I think back if I had started this, you know, 15, 20 years ago or whatever, how there would not have been as many resources available. And just living in an age of technology where you can multitask, you can be, you know, driving in your car, going to pick up a kid and you can be listening to a podcast 
like this on, <laughs> on how to start flowers and just so many resources and so many things out there. Um, it's really neat to see that there is such a um, push or an interest in growing things like flowers because it's, it's not only therapeutic, I think, for the people that are doing it, but it's also therapeutic for the people who get to experience it on the other side of it, um, whether it's a veteran or, you know, just a person who um, comes out to a farm and can pick flowers or receive farm fresh flowers. There's really a benefit to that. And I think when you're on the growing side of it, you get to see the other side of that. You get to see the joy that it brings people and how it can kind of um, take away from some of, you know, the hard things in life. And if you can be a part of that, it's really rewarding as a grower to be able to do that. So it's, it's a plus for sure. Absolutely. I I would, I will say that Christy, like, I think for some people it could be like, well, why flowers? Like you're not eating it. I mean, you can, I mean, there's edible flowers out there, but I mean, it's not like, it's not like crops in that sense. I mean, it's a specialty flower and it's not vegetables, like vegetable gardens, like you're not sustaining your body for me, because it's such an emotional reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. I just, I love thinking about what people could possibly be doing with my flowers in the same way for you, Chris. I mean, you give flowers to people on like their most special day, like during their weddings and things like that. But I really like thinking about, well, if someone picks up one of my bouquets from my local grocery store, are they giving them to somebody that they super care about? Are they giving them to somebody that they love, you know, or are they used for, you know, sorrow? Did somebody die? And that these flowers are a representation of grief or loss or, Maybe you're taking them to like your parents or that's what I love the most about flowers is that they, they speak for us on so many different levels for so many different reasons and the reasons why we give them. And for me, myself, when I look at them, they just make me feel so happy. Like I look at them and I'm like, I feel happy. (laughs) Flowers make me feel happy. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And I think there is a growing recognition for that. Even you said that you worked with NRCS quite a bit and NRCS is doing more of a push for those urban egg, including flower growing and how can we support um, good conservation practices through these specialty crop growing. Um, and another resource that I wanted to point out um, is since I've started working with cut flower growers is uh, SDSU Extension has a horticulture department and Rhoda and Christine would be fantastic go-tos with any questions. Um, they're mm-hmm. part of both Christy and Connie are part of the SDSPA's Cut Flower Grower Group, and Rhoda and Christine bring a lot of knowledge to that as well. So- yeah, I actually met Christine. Um, well, I had called up to SDSU before I had started or was in the process of starting my flower farm. And uh, the area that I was going to plant flowers in um, had alfalfa planted on it. And so um, I had asked my cousin, or my cousin, sorry, <laughs> my husband, <laughs> not my cousin. <laughs> Get a good laugh out of that. Um, if, you know, he said you might want to do some checking to see if there's going to be any issues with neurotoxicity because of that. And so I said, well, you're a farmer. Is this something, you know, what do you think? And he said, well, I think it'd be good for you yourself to do some research on it. Um, And so I called up to SDSU and they put me in contact with Christine Lang, who had just started working there. 
And so then she and I, you know, started communicating back and forth and she was excited about people growing flowers in South Dakota, but we definitely have people, local people in the state who are willing to help you. And I think they're just waiting for people like Connie and I to be like, can you help us with this? Because they know way more than we do about those kind of things. And so if you're able and willing to work with other people, um, it, it definitely is a good thing if we can kind of join up and do that. So you both have given some good examples of formal educational opportunities, but of course, everybody knows that some of the best education is from lessons learned the hard way. Would you guys be willing to share some of those that you'd like to make people aware of? So maybe they don't follow in your exact footsteps. Oh boy. Let's see. Um, Hmm, that's a, a really good question. Um, I think if you're, you know, trying to avoid some heartache and issues, it, it's not like it's going to be a full foolproof program or a way to do things. Like you're going to, you're going to have issues. You're going to have mistakes, but I think if you're willing to put in the time ahead of time and, um, kind of come up with a plan and sit down and figure out, like, you know, make a few goals for yourself, or these are the things that I want to focus on. Um, and then put the time into kind of researching that out. So, you know, it's like, how many flowers do I want to grow or how many beds of flowers do I want to have? What do I need to be able to make that go? Um, I know I need to have good soil. I need to have water irrigation. Um, you know, I need to worry about weeds. And so if you're able to kind of come up with a plan ahead of time and, you know, be able to kind of execute that plan, I feel like you could, it helps you be one step ahead of those program or those problems. Those problems are still going to come, but it, it does help. And I, I think the other thing too, is that it's like, um, it's really easy to look in all different areas and directions and be like, Oh, I want to try this. And I, oh, I want to do this, but you don't have to do all, all of it. And you don't have to do it all at once either. Um, it's really easy, especially because of the world of social media to look around and see, oh, this person is growing this, or they're doing this, or they're, you know, doing all these amazing things, but it might not be practical to be able to do all those things all at one time. So if you can really focus in on a few key things, I think that that will kind of help you when it comes to problems and issues. But, you know, one of the things we can't control is the weather and that. I would say for me has probably been one of the challenges is that the last two summers have been just crazy hot, dry. Um, thankfully we did have drip irrigation in place underneath all of our flowers. And I'm really, really thankful that we took the time on the, you know, beginning of the planning process. And as we started the flower farm to do that, because it really, um, saved me a, a lot of potential hassle, even though even just running irrigation is a lot of work itself. But I think uh, really, you know, narrowing things down and coming up with a plan of what you want to do. And for me, that was kind of hard because I can be kind of a spontaneous person. <laughs> and so I really had to like, sort of direct and, you know, bring it all in and be like, okay, what are you going to do? Like, you know, put some blinders on here and not, you know, be drawn to do this, this and whatever, but what works for me, like what will work for us on the farm. 
and um, and something that isn't going to completely exhaust me to the point where, you know, in a year or two, I don't want to flower farm anymore. So um, I would say that having a, a realistic idea and planning ahead is probably the biggest things that you can do to help you to avoid some of those problems. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. Um, and I do agree with the planning process too. Like I, you know, I went to Google earth and I, I took a snapshot of my property, you know, and I had pencils and I was like, this is what I want to see. This is what I want to see. This is what I see. My biggest lesson that, cause I'm going into year four. Okay. And so my biggest lesson that I have been struggling with, and I, I struggle with it even still is, um, I do change my mind <laughs> because like, I don't know, like, I don't know what I don't know. And so I think going through Florette, this is going to really, really help me because I, I, my original plan was I'm going to put all my peonies like out by my house up in my front yard. And they made it about a summer and I'm like, Nope, it doesn't make sense for me to water these way over here. And then I got these way over here and it didn't make sense. And so the, I, we tore them all out. And when I say we, I mean myself and my daughters, <laughs> I love my children <laughs> and um, move them around. And for me, the thing that I struggled with the most through this process is, is trying not to do it all myself. So even with the high tunnel, right. I was like, I can do that. I'm a hard worker. I can figure this out. And it was painstakingly slow and horrible. And I didn't have the right equipment. I didn't understand the directions were in Chinese and I just, I couldn't put it together. I couldn't lift it. I mean, we, oh my goodness, if you could see us, I had my little tiny Cadoba tractor and I created this long piping system held together with duct tape, by the way, that I had on the end to lift these rafters into place. It was so dangerous because I was not willing to go find the help that I needed in order to put this together because I convinced myself that I could do it myself. And it, 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 it wasted so much time, so much time because I didn't want to ask for help because I didn't think that anybody would feel the amount of passion that I had for what I was trying to do. And I was so afraid that people were going to judge what I was trying to do in a negative way. And then that, that's me and my stuff that I work through, you know, and a lot of it has to stem with like negative stuff from my past, but I allowed that to, to dictate my thought process. And it, it wasted, I'd say a year of my planting process because I was struggling with that high tunnel so much. Now I have it up and I'm, you know, right before the big storm we had last summer and a bunch of damage happened to it. And so I redid it again, <laughs> but it, it's a wonderful thing to grow in and it, it creates this controlled environment, but I lost so much time because I was too afraid and unwilling to ask for help. I bet a lot of new producers could relate to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Both of you have kind of hit on my next question a little bit, but what do you recommend if a producer is wanting to get started? What do you recommend as their first step? And it sounds like different, um, journeys towards flower production can work well for everyone, but what are some steps that you recommend? There's so many steps, I think. Um, I mean, you can make it as complicated as you want, or you can make it as simple as you want. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I think if you, again, if you kind of, um, you know, write down on a piece of paper, like what are a few of my goals or what is my vision for this? Um, Am I growing strictly for production? Mm 
or am I growing for, uh, you know, aesthetics as well as production? Like people might come to my farm, you know, how is it going to look? How are people going to be able to walk through it? How are they going to, what are they going to see right away when they get here? Um, so if, if you're not, you know, planning on doing that part of it or whatever, then you can look at it strictly from a production standpoint where it doesn't necessarily have to be pretty. So then you want to make sure that you, you know, have the right things in place that can help you with the growing, but, um, you know, all sorts of things from having your soil tested to, you know, figuring out what zone you're in. Um, I'm actually in zone five, a where we are at, which is kind of crazy because there's kind of like a pocket that runs through the bottom of South Dakota. And so we have a little bit uh, more of kind of some milder weather at times compared to even south of me and north of me, which is kind of crazy, but um, just, you know, things like that, um, finding a class or a podcast or something like that, that you can listen to that can educate you. Um, networking, I think is important with people that are growing because you can always learn from other people, even if they're growing something different than you, you can still learn. I always feel like if I go to a meeting or attend um, some type of something, even if there's one small thing that I can learn from that, it's worth it for me to do that. Um, so always, you know, having an attitude of being able to learn or that you can learn from other people, I think is really important. But, and then, you know, the other thing too, that I think in this day and age is almost a must is being able to learn how to run and use social media. If you're going to market your product, you have to know how to do that. Um, you can grow the most beautiful flowers and do the most amazing things. But if you don't know how to tell that story or to get the idea or show people what you're doing, nobody will know about it. And so being able to figure out how to do that, and that just takes a lot of practice. I mean, it's not something most of us, um, unless, you know, we're younger, but, <laughs> you know, we, we have to like teach ourselves how to do that or, or how to learn how to do it or find somebody who can help you do that. Um, you know, find a college person or college kid or somebody who's of that generation where that's kind of all that they have known and, and have them help you do that. But it's a, you know, there's so many facets to flower farming, um, that it really does take kind of a special person to be able to hit all of those things and to do them successfully. And, you know, it, I don't want that to sound discouraging because you, you don't, I mean, you can make it work and there's good things that come out of not being able to necessarily like do all of it right away. But I think if you look at it from the perspective of ahead of time of knowing some of the things that you kind of know where you need to be or whatever, that will help you rather than just jumping in and being like, okay, I'll, I'll figure this out as I go. I mean, that's a really good skill to have too, but if you're really serious about it, um, you really have to kind of be knowledgeable in, you know, multiple areas. So yeah, mm -hmm. that might, that might be a lot. And I hope I haven't scared anybody away from flower farming, but, uh, you know, and the thing is, don't be afraid to ask other people for help. Like if you don't know how to do something, or you're not very good at a particular part of that. I mean, people are really excited and they want to be a part of something like this. Um, so I think it's okay to ask people to help you or to hire people to do things. It's not like you probably need them year round to fulfill that role or to do that job for you. 
But if you're willing to spend the time to work to find people like that, those people, they will pop up in your life. That's a great point. That if you don't have all of those skills, focus on the skills you have, if that's the flower production and find somebody to help you in the other areas. Yep, definitely. I like Bella and Christy because all I have to say is, yep, I totally agree <laughs> because everything she says is spot on. And, and that's, that's, that's the whole thing is like, and that's why we do, we do. It's, it's about having a plan. Like you can grow on in pots in your backyard. If you live in town, if you want to, like, you don't need to have any type of large amount of land, but how, how much do you want to do? Like, do you, do you want to be a legitimate business? Do you want to have a tax number? Do you want to have employees someday? You know, and, and of course, you're, everything about what you initially want can change for sure. Absolutely. And you got to kind of roll with the punches, kind of like what Chrissy said. I mean, it's a good thing to have, but I would definitely emphasize the marketing thing that I struggle with that for sure. It's something that I'm really hoping to learn over this next year because I am a workhorse. I work very hard and I can grow things and I can have all these wonderful plans, but I'm struggling at creating that story on my social media. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling at marketing my story and being able to share with others the importance and the passion that I have for flowers. And I think that that's impacting me when it comes to my, my sales and different things that I want to do. And so we all have areas that we need to grow. And so it's really understanding what your strengths and weaknesses are and creating that plan up front before you start putting that shovel in the ground. Mm -hmm. I think too, for me, um, I, I love beautiful things. Like I love things that are pretty and I know how it makes me feel. And so I'm like, what I want to share that with other people through social media. It's like, I want them to see that. I want to experience that. And even if they don't ever come to the farm, you know, hopefully they're scrolling through their posts or whatever, they'll see something beautiful and be like, oh, wow, this is, you know, this is grown in South Dakota. Like this isn't yeah. something. California or Florida, this is happening right here in Union County, South Dakota. You know, I, to me, that's kind of cool that, that I can do that. It, it's not really a thing for me. Like, Oh, I want to one up somebody or, or whatever. I'm just like, this is beautiful. Therefore I must share it. <laughs> Positivity. You want to bring to social media. Yeah, definitely. So on the note of flowers, um, I assume anybody starting out with flowers is going to have their own favorites anyways, but what are some that you'd recommend a producer who's new to growing cut flowers might want to start out with, or any that you'd say, hold off a few years until you're ready to master? Hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Connie, do you have some favorite things you like to grow things you like and things you don't like? I know there's a few on my list, but you know, I think because we're both so different, you know, and I don't grow full-time. Like I, you know, work at the university full-time in the veterans affairs office. And I mean, I would love it someday if I can grow flowers full-time. So for me, the uh, ease and convenience of bulbs has been very, very helpful. Um, putting things in the ground in the fall and then having very minimal tasking throughout the winter and letting like the earth do what it needs to do to bring these things up. So I'm, I'm a big, I love tulips. They're so beautiful and there's so many colors. And I actually, and it's part of like kind of my, not my mission, my vision is I grow very dark colors. I do a lot of blacks um, or deep purples. Queen of the night is my favorite tulip of all time because it's almost so deep purple. It looks black. 
um, and deep reds. I really love like those deep, dark colors and I I'm able to choose to grow those. And then they come up every, they just keep coming up. I really love that. And then like the daffodils and peonies, peonies are amazing. I mean, they take a couple of years to actually start producing. So you kind of have to plan that out a little bit about year three, you get, you start to really get that peony that it comes up, but I mean, you can put tons of, um, roots in the ground and you get, you know, 10 to 15 flowers per bush, you know, and then, so it's a, it's a good high quality producer when it comes to that kind of stuff, you know, and then it is, it, that kind of what we were talking about earlier. I mean, zinnias are really easy to grow and they they're reoccurring. Like they bloom and they bloom and they bloom throughout July, August. And then even getting into um, sunflowers, again, it's another easy thing to grow. The seeds are large, so you don't have to worry about, I mean, some seeds are so tiny. It's like, how am I supposed to do anything with these? And so those are some really great things that not only could you put on your farm to have some decent production and be able to sell them relatively easily, um, you can then really start to create an atmosphere and maybe you can start reaching out to different photographers in your area for senior pictures or family portraits and things like that in a field of sunflowers. And a field of sunflowers can be as easy as, you know, 75 sunflowers growing in the area. You know, that's all you really need. And so because they're big, they're easy, they're bulky, and, and they produce with minimal effort, those I would say for getting started have been some of my really good go-tos. I have had littler success when it comes to some of like the heirlooms you know I tried doing daisies I absolutely love them but I have not yet to have anything grow successful for me <laughs> and bachelor buttons have also been hard so just things like that that I don't know a lot about have been a little bit more cumbersome and more time consuming for me mm -hmm. I remember when I first was starting the flower farm um I wanted to see like what kind of things grew around this area or in my zone and one of the places that I found when I was just online um, is actually Pepper Harrell in Iowa, their flower farm. And they had a list of their top 10 things that they like to grow or that are, you know, grow well for them. And so I remember like writing down that list and I didn't grow everything on there, but I think I grew maybe seven or eight of their 10 things. And so I thought, okay, well, here's coming from somebody who's in the area of me that's, you know, most likely in that same zone. And, um, it was just helpful for me to see that. But I think again, it's like, you know, if you have an idea of what you might want to do with your flowers, that might help determine what type of flowers you grow. So if you're, you know, wanting to make bouquets and sell them at the farmer's market all summer long, you're going to want things that are considered cut and come again, flowers, um, you know, in the flower growing world, there's three different types of flowers. There's cut and come agains, medium producers, and one hit wonders. And so there's some forms of sunflowers that are just a one and done sunflower. Like they produce one flower and then they're done. And they're really good flowers. I mean, for our producers, like they look good in arrangements and things. But if you're looking to, you know, have a steady crop of flowers that you can do whatever it is you're doing with, you want to make sure that you're familiar with, you know, that you have enough of those kinds of things that are going to produce like that for you. But, um, and that's where I think, um, you know, if you don't have as much design experience or whatever, go talk to a local florist and say like, Hey, what are the kinds of things that would make a good bouquet? You know, like you need a focal flower, you need some filler flowers. You maybe need a little bit of some foliage or greenery or something like that. Um, 
And so it, you know, go visit with somebody who has some design experience who can say, um, you know, make sure you have a, a little bit of this and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. If, if that's your goal of what, of how you're wanting to market and sell your flowers is bouquets or things like that. But, um, yeah, those, I, I think it's really, it's good to ask questions and hopefully people around you will be willing to share information with you. Um, I know for me, I like being able to share information with people. Um, sometimes I feel like I have to keep a little bit of some of the things that I, I do, you know, I don't need to tell them every single thing. But I, uh, I do like to be able to share with other people. And so hopefully if people are looking to do something, they can find some people like that to help them. Yep. Okay. My last thing that I wanted to make sure I asked you both about today is another topic you've both hit on, but the marketing decision. And you both have very, not extremely, but a little bit different ways that you market your flowers. Um, what are some things that producer might want to take into consideration when deciding what their market will be? I think time is a really important thing to consider. Um, how much time, and you may not know that right away when you're getting into it, but as you get into it, you might have to reevaluate. I know for me, um, I still have a couple of kids at home. And for me, I, I do work quite a few hours in the summer, but it's like, what what am I willing to do and what am I not willing to do? Um, am I willing to take the time to harvest the flowers, make them in bouquets and then haul them to a farmer's market? I'm not willing to do that. I mean, I shouldn't say I'm not willing to do that, but for me, you know, using my time most efficiently and wisely, it wasn't the best investment for me to do that because it was another thing that takes me away from my family. And so for me, the priority was keeping things on, the property of the flower farm and really expanding on that. So people could come there and have an experience there, but then my family can be there as well and be a part of it. And how can I, how can I, um, you know, plug my kids into that experience? So they learn the experience of, you know, hospitality and, um, it, you know, just dealing with people in general and things like that. So to me, that was important. Um, but it, yeah, there's a lot of things to take into consideration. Yes. <laughs> Unique and to it, me, you know, that those circumstances are, are what were a priority to me. But for some people, they may really love the experience of going to a farmer's market. I mean, I know I would love that experience, but it was important for me to manage my time in the most efficient way. And you also mentioned you recognize that geographically you have an advantage for the UPIC setup as well. Yeah. Others might have to bring it to a market. Yeah. Yeah. So working, but we've had to work, you know, really hard to create an environment at the flower farm. Um, I'm always, you know, thinking like, how can I make this the most charming place? What can I add in here without junking it up and putting too much stuff in there that looks too crazy or, you know, over overwhelming to the people that that come there but it's like how can we improve on this experience so that when they come here they feel like they can kind of get lost in the flowers like they can forget about you know their world or life or troubles or whatever and they just come and they can experience the farm and all of that and so for me that's where I've kind of channeled my time and energy into 
But I know that that maybe isn't the most feasible or realistic thing for most people that are fire farming. So I think just kind of, you know, coming up with a few goals that you want to hit or what is, what's the end result? Like at the end of, you know, you, you grow the flowers, you produce them, you harvest them. And then what, what, what do you want to see happen with them? And then working to try and achieve that goal, I think is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. It's, it's, I had, when I originally started, I, I told myself that I, I wanted to just grow like farm. I wanted to farm flowers and I didn't really understand the whole, um, like the wholesale market well enough to understand like how to do that. So it kind of changed for me a little bit of what I was kind of wanting to do. And I knew that I wanted to do my um, adaptive veteran program. And so, I mean, I grew my, I made tulips and things for that specifically because it was like a program that I was creating for that. And I was growing specifically for that. Um, And then I was fortunate enough that I I don't live in an area off the interstate or anything like that. My, the the community I live in is about nine miles off the interstate and it's nestled in a a pretty small little town, but it's about halfway between Watertown and halfway, you know, from Brookings. And so um, I also am not a person that I wanted to do farmer's market type atmosphere again, because I mean, I have three kids, I'm a single mom. I, you know, work full-time at the university. And so I knew that weddings wasn't something that I was going to get into because I wouldn't consider myself an extremely feminine person, whether that is relevant or not. I'm not really sure when it comes to like designing flowers for weddings, but um, I actually want to create workshops on my property for different things. Um, The adoptive veteran program is a way for me to, to kind of connect and stay connected to the veterans and the healing and things like that. But I also, um, I reached out to a couple local grocery stores. So I do sell bouquets at the Maynards in Clear Lake, South Dakota, and then Ivanhoe, Minnesota. They will, I am able to drop off bouquets during a harvest. And that's on my time. It's like when I have something available, I'm able to drop in and and then the store is willing to sell those for me. So that's been very, very nice for me. And it's asking this type of questions, but I'm kind of like Christy on the fact that I want people to come to my place. I want to create a space of like healing where people can get lost in it. Um, I want to create, I'm actually working now on creating a program called firearms to flowers. I mean, I was military and law enforcement for a while. So um, I think it's important that people understand the um, understanding, like how to, to shoot a firearm and things like that. So I actually want to do a training on my property where I teach basic hand, um, and exposure to different types of firearms and then move that into a floral bouquet arrangements, um, flower picking as like a workshop type of thing, maybe some wine tasting or something like that and connecting these different resources in my area to come together, you know, and then you hear things about like yoga in the gardens and stuff like that. Like I really want to create my space to be a destination in that way. And I really do want to also get into those you picks and have people coming out to the farm and creating that space and that atmosphere is really ultimately my goal and my vision. I think one of the things too that, um, you know, to whoever is listening to this is to not, you don't have to model or do exactly what Connie and I are doing. Like you don't have to do it to the level or scale that we're doing. Even if you do, you did it to a very small fraction of what we're doing. Maybe it's just, you know, one square bed on your farm or, you know, in town or whatever, and you want to give the flowers away or you want to, you know, sell the flowers at a farmer's market or you want to supply, you know, 
fresh flowers to the florist there who's looking for something, you know, a little more specialty wise or whatever. You don't have to do it on a bigger scale. Like you can, you can do it on a smaller scale. There's a need for that too. And um, I don't want people to, you know, look at other people and think, okay, I can't do this because I don't know how to do all, all of these things. It's like, find a small part of it that you know you can handle and that you can do and do that. And if you like that and it works out well for you, then, you know, you can go on to the next step. But just if, if we can help inspire people to grow flowers or even just do that um, on a small scale, I think that that's awesome. Like that's, that's definitely what we want other people to do. And there's plenty of room for people to do that. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that's very important to hit on Christy because I kind of got really overwhelmed when I was getting started because there's just so much to know and there's so much to do. And there is so much information out there that I kind of got, I was reading books and I was reading blogs and I was reading everything that I mentally got a little overwhelmed with all of that information. And if you look at even the people in our um, specialty producers group, their social media platforms or their websites and these different things that they have, um, they're pretty amazing because like you look at even the layout, like of how like something looks on your site and something that looks on my site is very different because we are each individuals and what calls to us like when you look at flowers, there's certain things that kind of call to me. It's like, I really find that beautiful. And somebody else might not at all. And so I don't think I necessarily grow for any other reason other than for myself. And then with that, I hope that people can join that journey with me. And then somebody might want to sell flowers specifically and just one type of flower for a wholesaler. And so there's so many different possibilities where someone can come in and get started And I think that is what's so beautiful about, you know, growing flowers in the first place. Those are both two wonderful messages to conclude our podcast with. Thank you. Do either of you have anything else to add? If not, um, could you each share where they could find more about your farms? Sure. Um, I'm online, of course, under Flourish Flower Farm. It's uh, www www.flourishflowerfarm.org. That's kind of a mouthful to say. Uh, should have come up with an easier name. Uh, and I'm on Instagram under the name Flourish Fix. So if you look up Flourish Fix, that's where I'm on there. And I don't know what other platforms am I on? I don't know. <laughs> I think those are the main two. <laughs> oh, on Facebook too. I'm on. I'm on Facebook as well. But. Um, yeah, if you, you know, if you're like starting the the flower journey or whatever, and you have a question, like send me a message, like I would love to chat with you. Um, I've done that with other people that I follow on social media and, um, and actually developed a friendship with some people that I've never even met in person before. So, you know, feel free to reach out to me. I love connecting with people and, um, it, that is, I feel like what makes the world go around is when we can find people that we can share things with. And yeah, so. Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. Connie, mm-hmm. uh, where can we learn more about Freedom Makers? Yep. So if you want to know more about like, some of the things um, that, if you want to just kind of touch base, I do have a website, which is www.freedomacresd.com. Um, that same platform name, Freedom Acres SD, is what my hashtag is on 
Instagram and is also how you can search me up on Facebook, depending on these different platforms that you do use. Um, I do have um, um, a series of blogs on my website as well that kind of talks about my journey a little bit and how my mental health recovery from PTSD was very similar to getting my business startup and the different avenues and things that I learned along the way and how it kind of got me to where I am at this point. So if you're interested in something like that, that's also a nice way to kind of you know, go back and review some of the stuff that we did talk about. Thanks. Well, thank you both of you for your time today and um, looking forward to see what you guys continue to do in this upcoming growing season. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to South Dakota Specialty Producers Association podcast. Until next time, keep growing.